0: Namaskar. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ernesto. Hi, Jose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today, we have a question that says like this. Uh, Bhagavan talks in many verses about the final annihilation of ego, whereas in other fragments or verses, such as as in Arunachalak Sharaman Namalai or in some fragments of Nanyal, he describes some of the difficulties we may come across on this path with which we naturally feel identified. Uh, for example, if instead of lamenting and weeping, oh, I'm a sinner, how can I be saved? Or is it possible to dissolve so many vasanas, etc.? How does Bhagavan know about the difficulties of the Jiva on the path with such detail? <clears throat>
1: um <clears throat> How does Bhagavan know this? Um Well... The simple answer is we cannot understand the state of Bhagavan with our mind, but we can we can give some sort of answer. Firstly, um, we could say uh, because Bhagavan has been through all this himself. Uh, that is, if we take Bhagavan to be the one who was uh, who had done so much. Um, uh, uh, tapas or bichara before this lifetime but he was fully ripe and ready in this lifetime but that's taking Bhagavan to be the jiva that jiva died on that day in um, or that jiva, jiva means ego was, was annihilated on that day when that fear of death came to him and he turned his attention within so what Bhagavan actually is is not the person he seems to be, he is our own real nature. As our own real nature, he knows us and everything about us, but not as we know ourselves. In his view, we are nothing other than himself. So, by knowing himself, he knows us and everything else. But we cannot because he doesn't see anything other than himself, his experience is an experience of perfect oneness. So with our minds, we cannot understand how then does he seem to know all this multiplicity? How does he know about the difficulties of the jiva and so on? Um, In a certain sense, he doesn't know any of this. He knows just I am. But in knowing I am, He's knowing the reality of ego and all its problems. So yeah, we with with our mind we can't we can't and we need not uh comprehend these things. All we need to understand is um from our perspective he seems to know all these things.
2: Um I, I think that is um like Bhagavan knows Perfectly, the state of our mind. Uh, for example, no, when in some uh, tales about the, the devotees, some devotees that came to Arunachala and stay with with Bhagavan and said that recent, recently, uh, or suddenly, sorry, uh, they feel that Bhagavan knows exactly what it happened in himself, no, in, in these persons, no, in these devotees, no? Yeah. It's, it's like the, the what, what you said so many times about the verse of Landyar, uh, about the sun, no? Mm. Uh, this absolutely intelligence that is inside or that this is the I am consciousness when um, give the light for the light of the mind uh, this intelligence is, is, is in it and um, when illuminates something, know perfectly what is illuminating. No? Um, and um, in, the, in this question said there, there is not very particular uh, questions. Particularly, things, sorry. I'm a sinner, uh, all of that is um, mental fabrications of pain, of suffering, no? And Bhagavan knows perfectly uh, the distortion of the mind, uh, and for that, uh, the grace came to save us.
1: Yes, that is all true from our perspective. Yes, only. But from his perspective is quite different. So uh, that's why I say we, we we cannot understand his state in um <coughs> in uh birth in, in um um in Bhagavan says um I'll just get the verse. I think it's verse uh, Thirty-one. He says, um, "For those who are happiness composed of that which rose destroying themselves, what one thing exists for doing? They do not know anything other than themselves. Who can conceive conceive their state as like this? So, in Bhagavan's view, there is nothing other than himself." And he himself is one and indivisible, so he doesn't know all the the details that we know, but he knows the reality of all the details. Yes. So uh, we trying to understand. I mean, we, it's useful to understand these things to the extent to recognize why we cannot fully comprehend this. How why we can never fully comprehend this. If we want to understand Bhagavan's state, we need to be in that state because he knows himself just by being himself. And in knowing himself, he knows everything because he is the only thing there is. He's the reality of all appearances. Mm-hmm. So actually, Bhagavan knows us far better than we know ourselves because whereas we know ourselves as a person, he knows us as we actually are. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the, the, the grace of Bhagavan. Yes. Uh, in the form of the light of uh, awareness. Yes. Our consciousness. Yes. Um, including in Chitavasa, okay, in, the, in, the, in this light, the form. No? Yes. But the, 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 the essence of the, the, the sense of the quality mm. of, of this light is in Chit. Yes. Yes. And chit is mixed with the parties, but conserve the the, the essence. No? Yes.
1: Chit, chit, is, chit is mixed with you parties from our perspective. Yes. From his perspective, chit is ever in its pure condition.
2: Correct. But it, when we are illuminating our mind. Yes. In our perspective, as ego. Yes. Bhagavan is in us.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: And uh, when we are knowing our suffering mm. from our perspective as ego, the yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> light of cheat is knowing yes. our suffering. No? Yes. yes. It's how, how I I uh, I feel.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it's all we have to remember. This is all from our perspective. Yes. C- can I say something, Michael? Yes, yes, certainly. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. So
3: when we come to bhagavan we come to bhagavan because we have a we have a situation and this is the well we have a problem yeah the problem we present to bhagavan is we're in bondage yes the immediate answer from bhagavan is you're not in bondage your true nature is ever infinite happiness yes we say bhagavan this is not my experience yes by saying that we already said no to his first line of teaching yes put that aside so Bhagavan puts his first line of teaching aside brings his second line of teaching whose only purpose is to bring our attention within yes to prove that his first line of teaching
1: was the truth exactly exactly that is Bhagavan in Bhagavan's view, there's no ego, no Maya, no body, no world, nothing. There's no problem whatsoever. But in our perspective, from our perspective as ego, we as ego are a big problem. And this ego is the root of all other problems. So Bhagavan comes down to our level, so to speak, in giving us teachings, what what he what is he has taught us in all his various writings, he is accepting, he, he is talking as if from our perspective. He's, he, he, if, he, if Bhagavan were to say, there is no problem, and to leave it at that, how would that help us? It wouldn't help us. He tells us, ultimately, there is no problem. The problem lies in your not recognizing the truth. Not recognizing the truth means not recognizing the truth of your own nature, what you actually are. If you you say you're in bondage, see yourself and see whether you're actually in bondage. The reason you seem to be in bondage is because you're not looking at yourself. You're looking only at other things. If you look at yourself, you'll find that you're ever free. So Bhagavan has to, uh, has to seemingly concede but there is a problem in order to show us the solution to the problem. And the solution to the problem is to see that there never was any problem in the first place. So, as you say, he comes back. His basic teaching is what is alone is as it is, no problem. Because we we cannot see that, he concedes that there is a problem, as if there's a problem, namely, and he diagnoses what is the, what is that problem. <clears throat> when we look outwards, we see so many problems, but Bhagavan goes to the root of all these problems. All these problems appear in whose view? In the view of ego. So ego is the root of all other problems because no other, in the absence of ego, there are no problems. Problems exist only in the view of ego. So Bhagavan, uh, Bhagavan's, Bhagavan's teachings are extremely useful to us because he's pointing us directly back at what is the root cause of the problem and what is the solution. The root cause, the, the root cause is our mistaken awareness of ourselves as I am this person, I am this jiva, I am um, this body. <coughs> The solution is to see, who am I? What am I? If we see what we actually are, then we would know that we were never the body. We, there never was a jiva or ego who rose to experience itself as I am this body. So Bhagavan's teachings are, are, are so, so neat. He points out what is the problem? And what is the solution to the problem? The solution to the problem is seeing that actually there's never was a problem. Because the problem seems to exist only in the view of ego. And ego seems to exist only because we, instead of looking at ourselves, we're looking at all the other things. So if instead of looking at the problem view, we look at the root of the problems, we find there's no root and therefore no problems.
0: And also because of the and in, in this, we have to concede that there is a problem, as Jose said. Yes. yes. And, um, Bhagavan has to present himself here in this dream with us in a form. Yes. Just like in the same way that uh, the, the dream food soothes the dream hunger. Yes. 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 And teachings uh, eradicate the dream ego. I mean,
1: the, yeah. Uh, B- real- B- B- Bhagavan and his teachings, they have a the dream dream food that will satisfy our hunger for um, no for for happiness because he turns our attention he and his teachings their function is to turn our attention back to ourselves when our attention is turned back to ourselves then we see there never was a problem in the first place It is. But but merely saying if we just say oh there's no problem that's not the solution to the problem because who is saying there's no problem it's we as ego this ego is the problem so we we need to understand firstly the Bhagavan's teaching are very very simple but also they are not Bhagavan isn't trivializing our problem he's not saying ah oh, all you have to do is to see what you actually are he's not saying that in a blase way. He's saying that because that is the solution. But seeing what we actually are, is, though it is actually the easiest of all things, it seems to us to be very difficult. Why? Because of our Vrishaya Vasana, because we have so much liking to go outwards, we are unwilling to turn within. So though he made it clear this is very, very easy, he also acknowledged that there are problems. The problems are in the form of our vasanas, our, our inclination or liking to go outwards. And the solution to that is the same solution to the solution of the root problem, ego, namely seeing what we actually are.
2: The, the, the clue here is when, when you say that uh, Bhagavan concede, no? Yes, uh, that we seems to exist. Yes, for me, this this war is absolutely precious. Yes,
1: yes seems
2: yes. to exist uh, it's a concession. But with yes. a condition, no,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Only seems, yeah, yeah,
2: um, seems very real for you. It no? seems
1: extremely real, Extremely real. Yeah, yeah, but it <laughs> <is,
2: is> seems <laughs>
1: what is more obvious from the fact that I miss body. I'm not this. I'm not this microphone. I'm not any of these objects here. I am this. It's so it's so obvious. It's so real for us. Yet it is all uh, false.
2: And we have a very, very big compromise with this illusion.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And to give another example of uh, uh, in Aksha Mala, verse 11, yeah, when he talks about Vasanas. He says, Arunachala, when the five sense thieves, uh, with their explanation, namely Vasanas, which are deceived as proud as desires for the pleasures that are seemingly derived from the kinds of five kinds of sense objects, when the five sense thieves enter my heart, are you not in my heart? <laughs> in that sense, when, when Bhagavan says this verse, he's. Uh, Putting himself in the in the scheme of an aspirant who doesn't, yes. obviously, who doesn't know. Yes. What,
1: uh, but the, right. impo- the important point there is he's constantly drawing us back, drawing our attention. If have is in my heart, then why am I worrying about these five cent thieves? Mm-hmm. So he he's pointing our attention back to ourselves, mm-hmm. because wh- the five cent thieves are a problem only when we're looking outwards. If we look within, he's ever shining there as our own being. So, since he is what we actually are, there never is any problem. The problem seems to exist. The five sense thieves are a big problem, so long as we look away from ourselves. The solution is to look at ourselves, to turn our attention back towards ourselves. So, in so many ways, Bhagavan is constantly. Drawing our attention back within,
0: and just like you said, with the yes, I'm the body. I think obviously, no. Yes, who who, who doubt that I'm the body? The the problem is out there. Who can doubt
1: it? (laughs) Yeah, the problem is death. The problem is uh, uh, we we Uh can and should doubt it. But however much we doubt it, it's still so real to us. It seems so real. Yeah, doubt is the beginning. Just the beginning. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. Because we we merely by um, by reasoning or by doubting, we cannot free ourselves from this uh, this very very dense delusion: "I am this body." But we can very easily free ourselves from this simply by looking within. But we must be willing to look within. That is where the problem lies. Bhagavan has given us a very simple solution, but we're, um, because we are unwilling to surrender, we're not yet wi- willing to surrender ourselves, we therefore are not willing to look within, because if we look within, as this question began, annihilation of ego. So, That's what the teachings are all about, the annihilation of ego. But in order to annihilate ego, we must be willing to be annihilated.
2: i i remember in his, history of hafiz uh, more or less i remember when he say that uh, one person is looking uh, to find uh, the key of his house Yes. Uh, in the uh,
0: um,
2: exterior of the house no
1: yes
2: and he has the the key in his hand yes and in the same hand, the the light, no, what yes. is illuminate, no.
1: Yeah.
2: Only need to open the hand. Yeah. And and, and and fine here. Yes. But in the illusion, you are all the time convinced. Yeah. Yeah. that looking, the, We're the looking key away is from Outside of you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, is the most simple is open the mind.
0: Yes.
1: Open
2: yes. the hand. Yes. But yes. you you think that you need to. To change, uh, uh, to 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 become, to oh.
1: yeah, 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 mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Even when Bhagavan tells us that uh, this waking state is ju- is just like the, the dream state, even we still feel that in any way this is more real, a bit more real than than dream from this point of view.
1: Yes, yes, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why Michael is. Uh, not not only does this state seem to be more real than dream now when we're in dream that dream state seems to be more real than dream because mm-hmm. in dream we know about dreams and if we talk about dreams in yes yes those dreams are just mental fabrication but this state is the real state mm-hmm. that's how it, it always seems to us while we are dreaming but the dream is the real state the waking state <laughs>
0: Even though we know that we're going to fall asleep and we're going to dream, and we cannot say, "Okay, it's yeah. the same, the same thing every night." this yes. I'm going to, I'm going to see the behind the curtain, but no. yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, Michael, um, yesterday I was discussing with a friend about uh, the perspective of the traditional Advaita about mm-hmm. An- Ananda Mayakosha. Sorry yeah. for the change of the topic. Yeah, you know? no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, uh, in this, in this view, that is contradictory with Bhagavan teachings. Mm. When they said the uh, Advaita traditional uh, um, vision, that Ananda Mayakosha is a state of ignorance. No. Yes. Um, um Bhagavan said the opposite. Yes. Yes. It is not a state of ignorance. Yes. Can you profound a, a little more about uh, about this? Right. Well, why uh, why, be, why begin to, I don't know if, if it was Gaudapada or who was yes. be, begin to this vision?
1: Uh... Well, but the thing is, um, <laughs> we talk about traditional or classical Advaita but actually, there have always been many different levels of explanation. Uh, the, the level of explanation is given according to the grasping power of the audience. So, for example, Adi Shankara wrote commentaries on the uh, Prastanatraya, the, the major Upanishads, the, uh, the uh, Brahma Sutra, and the Bhagavad Gita. Many of the explanations he gave are not the deepest explanations, but he was writing those commentaries for a particular audience, for an audience of of those who had much faith in those um, those texts and who interpreted those texts otherwise. So he had to uh, to show know what these texts mean. He had to argue a different interpretation, but he had to argue. There's no use in, if you're having a discussion with someone and you're trying to help them to understand, if you say things that are too deep for them to grasp, you're not going to convince them. So he had to come down to their level and give explanations that were suited to their level of understanding. Even Bhagavan, we can see, so, that, that is in his own writings in Ullidun Napdu and other uh, uh, writings, he has given the very deepest explanation. But often when people came to him and asked questions, he presented his teachings in a more diluted way because that was a, he has to he, when when he's answering someone's question, he has to answer in a way that is suitable for uh, that will suit their power of grasping. So yes, there are many different interpretations of uh, about sleep, about anandamaya kosha. Does anandamaya kosha still exist in sleep and so on? Generally, the 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 most popular explanations, um, accept, uh, but they but the anandamaya kosha remains in sleep. But that is an unsatisfactory explanation for various reasons. If the anandamaya kosha exists in sleep, it also must exist in waking and dream. So what evidence do we have that the anandamaya kosha is not what we actually are? So the whole point of, uh, um, of the analysis of the three states is to recognize that in sleep, there is nothing other than ourself. Nothing other than our own being, then only can we arrive at the conclusion that we are not any of these five she's. We are not any phenomenon of any kind whatsoever. Because we, why? Because no phenomenon exists in sleep. Even ego, we are not, because the ego doesn't exist in sleep. So if we make a concession to people to satisfy those, who who want to say how if everything is absent in sleep, how does it all reappear in the waking state? for people who ask such questions, it has to be said, or." Oh, Though everything disappears in sleep, it remains in seed form, in the, uh, the, the, seed, the seeds of the vasanas that make up the anandamaya Koja. So anandamaya kosha does remain in sleep. This is an explanation that is suited to people of a certain level of understanding, but that actually that explanation uh, undermines the very purpose of this analysis of the three states. The pur- the, purpose of analyzing the three states is to understand that we are not anything that does not exist in sleep, that we are not aware of in sleep. What, what are we aware of in sleep? We are aware only of our being. So why should we say that something exists in sleep that we are not aware of? Just because we are aware of something, it doesn't mean that it exists. But to say that it exists even when we're not aware of it is is is. Is missing the point, but such explanations are appropriate to people at a certain level of understanding. If they question deeper, then if such is the case, if the anandamaya kosha exists in sleep, then why do you say I'm not the anandamaya kosha? Is not myself? What evidence? What, what, what evidence is there in my experience that the anandamaya kosha is not myself? there's no evidence if if you if you assume that the anandamaya kosha uh, remains in sleep then there you have no reason to suppose that you're anything other than the anandamaya kosha so um that uh-huh. is why Manana is so important. Different explanations are given to suit people at different levels. We are not to take all these explanations at face value. We need to think deeply about it and, and recognize where there are contradictions in the explanation for the given, and then try to find out which is a deeper explanation. But deeper explanations have been given by Bhagavan. But Bhagavan says clearly, for example, in the in the first sentence of uh, of Nana, he says he uses the term manamatra nidraya. That means in sleep, which is devoid of mind. If it's devoid of mind, since everything else exists in the view of mind. The mind here implies ego. So in the absence of ego, how can there be anything else? Likewise, in verse 21 of Upadesha when the one verse in which he says uh, that, referring to what was said in the previous verse, that, uh, that one thing that appeared as I am I, which is the infinite whole, that is always the true import of the word I. Because of the absence of our non-existence in sleep, which is devoid of I. Devoid of I there means, obviously, I exist in sleep. Devoid of I there means devoid of ego. We exist in the absence of ego in sleep. If ego is absent, how can there be anything else? But all other things exist in the view of ego. If we say, oh, no, no, ego is absent, but the Anandamaya Kosha is, is still there, then we are saying that Anandamaya Kosha exists independent of ego. Then in whose view does it exist? If it doesn't exist in the view of ego, then it must exist in the view of our real nature, which is absurd. Obviously, in the view of our real nature, there's no Kosha. So we we need to we shouldn't take all explanations at face value. We need to be willing to think deeply about it, to think critically about it, because different explanations. <clears throat> Ultimately, no explanations are true because the truth is eva There's one only without a second. So there's nothing to explain. No one to whom to explain it and no one to explain it. So, But explanations are given for, for the sake of ourself as ego. In the view of ego, there's, there's not just one, there are many. So explanations are given for this ego. But which explanations are most useful, the the most useful, the most practical explanations are those given by Bhagavan. Because ultimately, what is the aim of all these explanations? How do these explanations help us if they don't enable us to know what we actually are? So the the aim of all our endeavors, the aim of all our srabana, manana, nidityasana, is to know what we actually are. So, which explanations will be most useful to help us to know what we actually are? Those are the explanations we should accept. Other explanations—they may have been given. They may be given in in so many um, sacred texts. They may have been given by uh, um, Godapad or by Shankara or even by Bhagavan. That doesn't mean they're a <coughs> correct explanation. They're the explanation. Those. Other explanations were suitable to, for other people in other state of mind. For for example, Bhagavan in 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 that verse where he's he talks about the sanchita that, that is uh, agamya sanchita and prarabdha ex, uh, existing whether they exist or not for Vinyani, Bhagavan says the 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 explanation, but um, Sanchita and uh, yeah, Agamya and Sanchita cease, but Prarabdha remains. For Vinyani is a reply given to the questions of others. He refers to the word uh, he uses the word others there, and, and then he tells what is the truth. When the, when a widow dies, sorry, when 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 a husband dies, all three wives become widowed. Now, you can't have two widows and one one wife remains unwidowed. No, they're all widowed. Likewise, when ego, the doer, and experience, the doer of actions and the experience of the fruit, when ego dies, all the three karmas cease to exist. So. Uh, but those explanations, but prarabdha remains for vinyani. It's given in Shankara's commentary. He, Shankara himself has given these uh, explanations. Does it? Are we to infer? Oh, Shankara didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't understand these things. No, of course Shankara knew what he was talking about. But he was giving such explanation because. As Bhagavan said, it was a reply given to the questions of others. Others mean those who are not yet ready to commit themselves to this path.
2: And when, when this uh, this line of uh, um, people uh, said that the darkness associate yes. associate the darkness, not only to the deep sleep, yes, to the Anandamaya Kosha, yes to the big sleep to 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 both no yeah. and um, when they uh, associate darkness to ananda mayakosha yes. is, is for the idea that the the sanchita karma uh, mm. is uh, absolutely impossible to know what uh, are they are there no mm. because it's very 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 big. Yes. and too many 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 lives and yes. uh, for that uh, is a, like an, an unconsciousness in the uh, psychology, occidental mm-hmm. psychology. And when uh, what I don't understand very very clear is why associate these um, alvitic lines, the darkness, to the deep sleep, if in the, in, if in the, in the deep sleep is the light of consciousness yes. not yes. Consciousness
1: <clears throat> itself. But Bhagavan doesn't accept that sleep is a state of darkness. He points out the obvious truth, it's a state of light. Because what are we ignorant of in sleep? We're only ignorant of the body and world and so on, which are not real anyway, so that's not darkness. But but, but, but Anandamaya Kosha, which Bhagavan doesn't concede exists in sleep, he does refer to the Anandamaya Kosha as darkness. In verse 22 of India, he refers to the Anandamaya Kosha as Irul. Irul means darkness. And I think in the, um, in the Sanskrit version, he refers to it I as know. tamas, which means darkness. That doesn't mean the darkness of ignorance. What it means is the darkness of desire. That is the fundamental darkness, is the darkness of ignorance. That is ego. And because of that fundamental darkness of self-ignorance, there a secondary uh, uh, darkness appears, namely the darkness of desires. Uh, why are desires called darkness? Because they cloud our mind. They draw our mind outward. So long as our mind is going outward, we are not turning within to see the light within. Hmm. So it, when Bhagavan talks about uh, using the term Iral, darkness, to refer to the Anandamaya Kosha, it would be wrong to infer that he means, uh, by Iral, he means the darkness of ignorance. Because the, dark, the darkness of ignorance is not at one of the five sheaths. The darkness of ignorance is ego itself. Perfect. Thank you. So, so, so all these things we need to we need to think deeply about these things, and we need to think independently. If we think, oh, but Shankara has said, but Prarabdha exists for Vanyani, therefore it must be true. Therefore, how can Bhagavan say it's not true? Bhagavan says, why Shankara said so? It's a reply to a, qu- a question of others. So. Just because things have been said by Godapadra or by Shankara, or even by Bhagavan, we shouldn't necessarily accept them as true. Because Bhagavan may have said certain things, but he may have said opposite things at other times, because they're different levels of explanation. But the deeper explanations are the explanations that he gives us in works like Ulladunapadu, Um Nana. And implicitly in aunnas duty in so many I mean some some places he's very explicit with his teachings in Lanas Stuti Panchikam, but even where he's not explicit with his teachings, the teachings are implicit there and
0: going back to the to Vasanas, Michael, our tendencies to to seek happiness outside uh, ourselves yes yes. Why does it seem that uh, sometimes it seems that we are trying to find pain, or by thinking of things which are, I don't know, like bad memories, or even to rejoice in feeling guilt, guilty for something we did, or something. It seems like sometimes it's we're quite looking for quite the opposite
1: because we wrongly believe our happiness is dependent on external things, our unhappiness is also dependent on them. So if we think something is making us unhappy, we think about it trying to, to um, solve the problem. For example, mm-hmm. supposing um, this month I don't have enough money to pay my rent. Yeah. Why do I think about that problem? Obviously, thinking about that problem is not going to make me happy. It's going to make me unhappy. The more I think about it, the more worried I'm going to get. Am I going to be evicted or or what? But because it because we're so worried about that, our mind keeps on coming back to that problem, hoping to find some solution to that problem. So okay. w- once we start to look for happiness outside ourselves, we we are both trying to. We're trying to find things that will make us happy and trying to avoid the things that will make us unhappy. So we are preoccupied not only with the objects of our desire, but also with the objects of our dislikes, the objects of our aversion, the things that we are trying to avoid. We are thinking about those things. And obviously thinking about those things are not going to make us happy. It's going to make us very unhappy. Mm-hmm. This is Maya. Yeah. But, but 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 the problem is the same in both cases whether you're thinking about the things which you think are going to make you happy or the things that are making you unhappy both in both cases there's a fundamental lack of viveka that is you you mistake the external things as the causes of your happiness and your unhappiness where Bhagavan says You yourself are infinite happiness, nothing can make you unhappy, but unhappiness is caused simply by your allowing your mind to go away from yourself, so you fail to recognize the infinite happiness that you actually are.
0: Mm.
1: That's one explanation. Another explanation, uh, uh, these are not two contradictory explanations, but they're just explanations from different perspectives. As ego, we depend for our semi-existence on our awareness of things other than ourselves. So even if the other things are causing us misery, we would prefer to be thinking about those things that are making us miserable than letting go of all things and turning within. Because turning within, we, we, we ourselves were going to die. So we, we would prefer to live in misery... Than to, uh, than to surrender ourselves and die that means ego die see con- consider all the souls who are in hell uh, hell doesn't necessarily mean a woe, but, but, but if we do bad karmas we will be in a hell-like condition think of um think of uh all the people who were for example in um in nazi concentration camps That was hell on earth. Um, But in spite of being in such a condition, if we were in such a condition, would we be ready to turn within and surrender ourselves? If we're not ready to surrender ourselves now, we wouldn't be ready to surrender ourselves even under such circumstances.
2: Nothing feels, no, Mm. Uh, is like that. But without the paper of the gift, of the gift of uh, of, the, um, of the Christmas, no, a, mm. of this Occidental life, no, yes. it's like a, a paper of a gift uh, of Christmas. Yes, yes. Inside, as Ramakrishna uh, said, yes. is a, a, um, a sweet. With the in the in the in the in the profound of the sweet are the, yes. the poison.
1: Yes, yes,
3: yes.
0: Yeah. So basically,
3: Can I, can I mention something? Sorry.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. So basically, it's like, yeah, even, even though by constant worrying, no, you know, like when you have some problem in your mind, you're, worrying, you're yeah. worrying constantly. It's that it's like and going by thinking that going uh, going outwards and thinking about in circles, you yes, know, yes. like a vicious circle, you think that somehow that is going to disappear
1: or something. Yes, yes there's well, also another element here in this the worrying is a, is is a type of identification why are you worrying because i have so many problems my life is full of problems i have to worry about them that we we are identifying ourselves with a certain um a certain role i am a person with so many problems i'm a person with so many worries I'm so stressed. All this is a type of identification, and that identification is what is keeping this ego alive. So, even though it's not a very happy identification—to be uh, worrying and miserable and everything, or to be stressed, or to be—still, um, s- we we hold on to that identity rather than surrendering ourselves.
3: But I, I was i was going to say that we are talking about extreme cases where we have problems mm. uh, but i i well i live in la and mm. i work next to beverly hills mm. and i have myself witnessed the the deepest miseries and among people who live in beverly hills and um, yes. and no long ago we we encountered someone who was Incredibly rich, but they—they they were they, this. This person was telling us that she can't find her daughter because her daughter is just roaming in the streets as a homeless person because she just lost it. She her mind just didn't actually make it through all that wealth in the right way. So it—it yeah. it is. Um, it is some eerie thing, this
1: mind. Yes, yes.
0: So it's preferable, yeah, to have a, an identity than rather than uh, rather than nothing. Yes,
3: yes. You want, yeah. It's a misery, but at least live, live
1: somehow. Yeah, yeah. And another thing, why we don't, why we continue grasping things other than ourselves, even though they're causing us misery, we are always under a mistaken, um, we, we, we always have the mistaken belief, but we're going sooner or later, I may not be happy now. These things may not be giving me happiness, but one day I'll be happy. I may be very poor now, but one day I'll be rich. I may be very sick now, one day I'll be healthy. we always um we're always um uh deluding ourselves but but our present situation is is only for now then i'll then it'll be better when I have more money, then I'll be happy. when I have more health, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. so we cling on to the unhealthy body in the hopes that one day we'll be healthy mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: very, it's very uh, typical to think like this, because uh, I remember when we were, I was uh, having chronic pains some years ago, and I was convincing myself that I couldn't self-investigate myself with this condition. And I was yes. thinking, this has to disappear somehow in order for me to be able to with yes. it. But, yes. then, but then, now that I'm, I'm feeling better in that regard, it's like, but i uh, that was a way of seeking happiness outside myself when this condition goes then i will my mind will continue go on <laughs> without yes, yes, i yes, yes. will uh, i won't turn within after that yeah so yeah it's a, a delusion yes.
2: yeah uh, and at yes. the same and the same time the the, the ego knows that he is a false identity and in this sense of lack continuously need to grasp forms uh, identity nationality uh, uh, football club uh, uh, all the time is needing uh, needing uh, in the yeah. need of, of new forms of to to grasp because he yes. feel in itself that is a is a is a, a impostor no
1: yes yes well the thing is Though Bhagavan teaches us, but but our real nature is infinite happiness. We are not experiencing ourselves as infinite happiness, so we seem to be lacking the happiness we 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 desire. Since we are lacking it, it must be somewhere outside us. So we are always looking outside because we, we feel the deficiency in ourselves. But the deficiency in ourselves. It's caused by our looking outside. Such is the nature of Maya. It It is a thief
3: that breaks into our backyards, takes the flowers from our backyards, then goes to the front door, knocks mm. on the door, and sells the flowers to us.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs>